from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Andy Ramirez from Concord. Andy, it's really nice to have you on. Hey, Brad. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So Andy, tell me a bit about yourself and about your company. Sure. So me, I'm a career-long digital marketer with a, a bit of a start in the IT industry, but quickly discovered a love for what it is to attract customers, uh, retain customers, engage customers. I've done that for small companies. I've done that for very large global companies. And today I do that for Concord. Concord is uh, a contract lifecycle company. So what that means is anytime you have an agreement or something where you're going to collaborate on getting a signal, we can help you do it end to end from the, the template or the writing all the way through to the e-signature and execution and reporting. Nice. That's awesome. And tell me a bit about who your ideal customer profile is, who you sell and market to and all that kind of stuff. The people that come to us the most are the smaller to medium-sized enterprises and businesses that really have trouble managing the number of agreements that they have. They, these are your legal teams that are processing 20, 30, 50, 1,000 agreements a month, or even your business managers or business owners that, that really not only need to get them done faster, but more importantly, oftentimes we find that the pain point they're really trying to address is managing them, like knowing when do they expire? Do I have a notice period? Those kinds of things that historically in our biggest competitor is status quo, right? Everybody does it on paper or in Google Calendar or whatever hodgepodge of tools and systems they come up with. And it's one of the last places where I see this giant shift that's going to happen and is starting to towards point solutions, something dedicated to solving that problem. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. It's amazing. An area for of, of growth for sure for companies. <laughs> I love it. So let's dive into a little bit of what marketing looks like for you guys. What are some things that have been on your radar this year? What are you excited about as we finish off the summer and the rest of the year and all that? Yeah, our radar so far has been your standard top of funnel demand gen, right? How do we find the right people? How do we create new channels? Everybody knows and has is Google running. That's the, the blue chip. But what else can you do? Can you get LinkedIn working right and at an agreeable cost? Because we all know LinkedIn tends to be a little pricier than others. How can you leverage some of the modern targeting technologies available to do audience marketing across display or across Facebook even to find the right people with very specific targeting, but on Facebook to pay a little bit less? And, and what I'm excited for, what I'm hopeful for is, is to start being able to take advantage of events again, that's usually a very another blue chip channel. You know where to go, you're there in person or you're there digitally and, and you can interact. But lately, digital events have been for me hit or miss as far as whether the people are actually there engaging, performing, doing the things they got to do and whether I'm going to get the ROI out of it. And the physical events used to be a lot better for that, but we all know that hasn't quite come to, to fruition just yet since COVID. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the next stage of marketing channels is going to be for us where I can start leveraging some of the higher end targeting or higher end deal sizes or those kinds of things. Totally. How are you guys thinking about events as we look towards the rest of the year? Obviously, it's really an unknown of what's going to happen. When are people going to come back? 
What are some of the early things you guys are thinking about when it comes to these events? The most important thing is actually how to see through some of the numbers that event companies are showing you, right? There's lots of producers of events out there. And, and if you look at the numbers that they'd be showing you today, they have things like, oh, we, we have 20 times more attendees than we did before COVID. And it's because it's all digital. But what they're not showing you or what you have to ask for is, but what's your average minutes watched of those attendees? How many of them are actually attending the main sessions, the breakout sessions? How many are logging into these virtual marketplaces that some of the event companies have? Those kinds of things. So I'm definitely looking into what are the right questions to ask to vet whether the audience is as engaged as it is large. And then the other thing I'm looking for too is companies that are looking to do the hybrid thing. They understand that there's always going to be a place for in-person once we're back to that. So how are they balancing the in-person thing with the online thing? And how are they pricing it? I've seen, honestly, some events companies that are looking to charge more for the digital participation sponsorship than the in-person sponsorship, which it, it, it's hard to figure out whether that's based on reality or there's a misconception around value that's happening there. Totally. Yeah, it's really interesting space to think about now and lots of things to think about for the future and hybrid and all that. So yeah. Very interesting. So, so pivoting a little bit to your experience and background as a market, what are things in which what are things in which you've found that are successful in building these lifelong customer relationships? and really just engaging with your target market, your audience, all that. What advice would you have for those listening? Yeah, and this has been coming up a whole lot more for me lately too. There's this trick that I had or, or what I thought was my secret sauce years ago that has now become not secret sauce. And, and it is that the marketer really has to focus on the entire life cycle of a customer. It's not enough to just say, hey, look, I brought it. The person came, they meet our targeting criteria, hand it off to sales. I'm done. Congratulations. You have to worry about what is that experience for the customer when they get transitioned to sales, when they become a customer, especially when you think about product-led growth, right? Product-led growth, and, and this was a big thing at Smartsheet too, you get more from a customer in the sense of their satisfaction and their happiness when what they signed up for is delivered to them without having to look around for it. So if a customer is looking for a contract template for an NDA and we give it to them, load that contract template for them when they first join into the application. Or if you're at a different company, just deliver on what they asked for. And the better you can do that, the more engaged they're going to be early on. And there is strong causation and correlation to long-term retention. And then I also have in, in many roles in the past focused on how can I support CS, product marketing, those people that are engaging known customers to keep those customers happy, to have data early on to show risk of attrition or gaps in a customer's understanding, right? There are, there are companies, and I, I found this is common, especially with SaaS companies, where 5 to 10% of your customers are the ones that are the power users that kind of use your whole platform. And then the vast majority of everyone else is doing one or two things. So you're looking at it saying, we'd have much greater growth and retention if we just could somehow educate our customers about all the things that we do. And that's a huge challenge. And I think that's a big part of marketing's role. It's not just demand, it's engagement and it's retention and it's sales enablement and it's supporting all of those teams that do that so that you have optimization across the life cycle, not just over-focusing in one area. Totally, I love that. Yeah, I think thinking as a marketer about that entire life cycle is so important. And if I'm a marketer listening to and maybe 
I'm trying to get there where I'm thinking about the entire big picture of things. What are some tangible things I can do to start to think about that and succeed there? Yeah. The first tangible thing, and I always, when I mentor people that join my team, this is where I start with everyone. Get to know the data. And I don't mean just go look at reports. Get to really know it. Can you build your own report? Where is the data source for app engagement or usage? Where is the report for NPS scores or for customer success type of metrics? How do you combine that? Do we have the ability to combine that? If you really start understanding what every part of the business reports on, asking questions, diving deep, going and meeting the folks producing those reports, then you really start getting a true picture of the business. You're not just listening and and aggregating qualitative things that you hear into a perception of how your business life cycle is doing, right? How your customer life cycle is doing. If you do that and you take the steps to really dive deep, you start developing your own opinions and your own understandings and your own ideas for where you can actually move the needle. And, And that's a huge first step for any marketer. Become a data scientist to a certain extent, right? Make it a hobby of yours as a marketer. I love that. Yeah, data is so important and actually seeing what's getting us results and what isn't and everything in between. So that's amazing. So yeah. It's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Any last words of wisdom, key takeaways for the audience? Yeah, for me, there's this kind of conflux that's happening or confluence, whatever the right word is, between sales, CS, and marketing. It is no longer going to work for companies to grow when you think about there's the marketing team and there's the sales team and there's the CS team. Start, start thinking of all of that together as the revenue team, because between all of those organizations, that's where your revenue comes from. It is not about who gets credit. It is not about a fight for gold stars in your organization from the CEO. It is about supporting each other and working with each other and helping each other drive success and move the needle. And if you can really connect with those teams and work with them, you will find that you will be much more successful. I love that. Such a great take. Hey, Andy, thanks so much for joining the podcast and sharing all your wisdom and insights here. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks.